our colleagues in other departments or other companies building data lakes and lake shores and lake houses and integrated with this and AI and data science and all of this. And if we're not doing that, then we're failures. And I would say, I fundamentally disagree with that. If you were to pull back the covers, a lot of that is just optics. And a lot of those people are incredibly frustrated in their jobs because they're not actually activating that data. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And that kind of leads me into to our topic for for today. Oh, yeah. So I, I wasn't recording that first part. Um, but you know, the idea of making data driven decisions, it's, um, you know, it's something we you know, that's a cliche, another cliche, I think is is data activation, you know, and and like the cliches have their roots in like something actual, tangible things that you can do and not just fluff words. But what I wanna dig into is, is data activation, um, making data-driven decisions. Um, and, and, and do a few episodes discussing what it means and, and how you get there. Um, because we've talked several times about sales coming in and throwing buzzwords around and you know activating your data and making data-driven decisions but what does it actually mean to do that what does it mean to activate data um and how much of that conversation that's happening now is real versus versus hype it's such a timely pertinent conversation um jen and i were talking this morning that in so many organizations, digital analytics isn't seen as real analysis. And we, we kind of started digging into that. And I, I think a big reason for that, whether we call it data activation or aligning with business needs, is that so often it's the opposite thereof, um, that we, we lack any kind of sense of what is happening in, in the business. And so there's actually very little activation of the data happening. But from from my perspective, the the data is there for a a reason. It's there to inform some kind of strategy. It's there to inform product development. It's there to inform uh, product design um, in order to create better experiences for customers. I mean, the data has a purpose. We're not just collecting the data to say we collect the data. Uh, I, I think a common trend that we've talked about is that so much of analytics has been done for the optics of analytics. So we're mm-hmm. collecting data to say we collect data. Um, we report on data to say we report on data. But what are we actually doing with that data? How are we, quote, activating that data? And to me, it's are we using that data to be a 
um, source of information and knowledge that we can use to make better decisions around our product, our services, the experiences that we're creating. So what kind of forms does that typically take in, in your, your opinion? Where, where have you seen uh, uh, organizations succeed or fail or just have the optics of doing something like that? So I think there's there's a bit of a hierarchy to it. I, I, I definitely think that there is a very real need for dashboarding and reporting. The same that it's important for having that level of information for operating a vehicle or a, or a plane or a fill in the blank, you know, big complex machine. Businesses are, are complicated. Even small businesses are incredibly complicated. And so at the base level, it's about providing a, a dashboard for business users, business focused strategists to orient themselves to where we are in space, just the same as you would use it to, to drive your car. Am I going the speed limit? Am I going to run out of fuel? Am I, you know, are my tires too low? Like those critical things that you need to keep the business healthy, I, I think is a minimum set of requirements for activating the data. Um, so, so that would be number one. Number two would then be to use, okay, so, we, we have that dashboard to keep ourselves oriented and driving safely. What comes next? Well, there's a couple things. One, if we have problems in the business, we need to be able to analyze it and detect it the same you would with the car. So not everything shows up on your dashboard. On your vehicle, you may get errors and warnings or other symptoms of something wrong. So you need to do analysis to better understand why are customers having a difficult time purchasing our product? Um, on the flip side, we could take a more proactive approach to that analysis and insight and look at things that are critical to our, our business. We sell widget A, we want customers to give us money for widget A. So how can we make that easier for them to do that? Which leads into really the third pillar and that's, um, optimization, recommendations, personalization, whatever we want to call that umbrella of using the data to inform a better process for selling our product. And I'm going to pull up, hold on. I got to pull up LinkedIn. So I was chatting, I was chatting with Randy's witch about this yesterday and uh, he summed it up so beautifully. Oh man, where is it? There needs to be a better way to find uh, content on LinkedIn. Ah, uh, well, I'll find it eventually. But the idea was, uh, oh, wait, here it is. Okay. So he said, so, you know, speaking of, of, of optics versus um, actually enabling the data to do something, activating the data, whatever we want to call it, lots of companies that we've had the ability to see operate over the last decade from a, again, optimization, recommendations, whatever we want to call that here, um, take a very optic driven approach to it. You know, oh, look at our new AI powered software that integrates with our audience solution and has all these auto recommendations that are in our backend data like that. Then in, in reality, most businesses and Randy said it this way, we should just find the most obvious way to show people what we sell and let them give us money. Um, it's a, it's a great use case for activating data, right? We sell product A, we should make it super simple for customers to find product A and then give us money for that product. 
Um, so that's kind of how I think about the the tiers or hierarchy of, of data activation. You you start with the basics that you need to safely operate the business in some sort of reporting or dashboard. You move into an area where you can have the ability to do deeper assessments and analysis of the data, either to problem solve known problems or uncover unknown problems, being proactive in your analysis. And then that feeds into creating better experiences for your customers that make them delighted to do business with you and it easier for them to find your product so that they can give you their money. Yeah. And I, I like how the, the, the pillars that you broke down there. Um, and as you were, as you were going through them, I, I thought of two different types of organizations I've run into throughout my career. There's one that gets stuck on pillar one, which was dashboards you know, is the information available? They get stuck there because it's, I build a dashboard, it's scheduled to go out, it goes out to everybody, and then they don't move forward. Either there's too much information on it or whatever, they don't move beyond just distributing the information. And then the other group is they, you know, they they, they dream of the real-time data-driven optimization, right? Like uh, when a customer comes to my site, I know their lifetime value, I know their the, the, the categories of products, the affinity for, for, for product categories. I know all of that. So I can uh, fine tune a landing page to make sure they, you know, they, any kind of friction gets removed to, to move them along. They, they get stuck and in kind of dreaming about that and not move it forward. Yeah. And I think a big problem with it is that companies often don't have the expertise to define what that path looks like. They're, they're lacking any kind of leadership or vision to put that in place. And so the reporting dashboarding kind of becomes the catch-all. And, and I've, I'm sure you, you've seen this. In fact, I worked with a company uh, a while ago that, that said, hey, we're having a real challenge in the business of having the our employees understand the overall health of their department and, and the business as a whole. Can you help us? And one of the first things that I uncovered is every day they sent out a dashboard to about 20 different people. So department heads and executives in the company. That was an Excel spreadsheet that was something like 28 columns wide by something like 70 rows deep. I'm like, how in the hell is this ever going to be useful? And so if that's not useful, how are we ever going to get to the next layer of doing more proactive troubleshooting or analysis to become more efficient in how the business operates where we're never going to get there? Yeah, I've totally seen that. Um, there was one client I was working with 12 years ago or so. Uh, right around 2010, 2011. Um, and they, they, you know, Adobe now, Omniture Site Catalyst at the time, they had, um, they were using uh, the old school Omniture dashboards and they had a dashboard that was 15 pages long. So it would be sent out to most people in the organization and then we, they would get the email. It would be 15 pages. And it just the information stopped there because either they gen it went out daily, by the way. So you either generated fatigue in people that would just ignore the email, yep. 
or it's there's too much here for me to dig through. Um, I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I think that that this strategy or how to think about it can be seen in lots of different areas. And in fact, I, I ended up at one point in time reading um, a case study about cockpit design um, in commercial airliners, and it was fascinating. Um, and one of the challenges that they uncovered was that at, at one point in time, the the cockpits were giving, when thinking about a dashboard, too much information. It was overloading the the ability for the pilots to understand their current uh, state and and to troubleshoot problems. And so again, we we tend to think, well, more data is better, right? If we have more data, we can that data becomes more actionable. But in fact, I think what researchers have found is quite the opposite, especially from a dashboarding perspective, that more isn't necessarily better and oftentimes leads to overload. You mentioned fatigue and in airlines, you know, led to potential fatal accidents because they were overloading the ability of the pilots to process information in a timely manner. And so being able to present a limited set of critical data to, to fly the plane, to run the business is, is critical. Um, and then secondarily to that, as we start to move into um, troubleshooting problems and then doing more proactive analysis, I think the, the theory still holds true. So in cockpits, in planes, reading through this, this study, even when there are problems and there are errors in the, in the system, they don't get this huge dump of here's all our data, you guys go figure it out. It's more, okay, here's the pertinent set of data you need to troubleshoot the next step so that you can stay focused on doing the critical thing, which is flying the plane, running the business. And, and, and so from an activation per perspective, sure, it's important to have the data available, but as a designer, as an analyst, as a person running the program, it's your responsibility to design how your users interact with that data and just giving them all the data is rarely the right answer and oftentimes leads to um, very, very poor results. Yes. Um, because er early in my time uh, implementing web analytics, digital analytics, I often fell into the bad habit of, of over-engineering things. You know, because you get excited with there, there being a problem to solve and, oh, I can grab this data and I can grab this and grab that. And trying to, to instrument everything, looking back now, and it's, it's the paradox of if you didn't go down that path, you wouldn't have learned it. Um, looking back now, I, I realized that I probably um, confused more than I did in form yeah. by just giving too much instead of focusing on what's the pertinent data that we need to to solve a problem yeah and it's it's you know sometimes you need to go down that path as you mentioned to learn those those lessons but and i know that there are people that vehemently disagree with with our stance on this but i i am so bought into the concept of sustainability um and less is more and that's not saying that we're not we're not driven to do more and expand our capabilities and what we have available to us. But all too often, our focus is on over engineering to over engineer. 
and it ends up giving us much less than if we simply would have gone with a core set of things that were critical for us to to run the business or or more elegantly put as Tyler Durden said in Fight Club the things you own end up owning you right and you can see that it's like well we need a bigger house we need a bigger fancier vehicle we need this i'm like that's awesome but be prepared that it's going to end up owning you because it's not free you have to maintain it you have to and if you can't it's going to it's going to end up giving you far less value than something simpler that gets the job done yeah you know we have had this conversation with some family recently you know on a personal level about you know like the idea of having too much and what comes along with it the maintenance that comes along with it the upkeep that that comes along with it um yeah no i i completely agree on that and that's where you know when it comes to work i've, I've really tried to adopt the the less is more mm-hmm. focus on the pertinent information to inform a business focus on making sure that the key information to solve problems is there um but don't engineer it because then going back to where we were talking about with those those three pillars they don't move beyond that first one mm-hmm. they just get they, they hit this paralysis state because there's so much information yeah. there's so much to do it's where do we start we don't know where to start so it's easier just not to start yeah i you're you're, you're absolutely correct and I think we we also need to empathize with our our colleagues that are trying to build and run optimization practices because oftentimes they aren't the ultimate decision maker and oftentimes they've assumed responsibilities that they're they're now having to figure out and you know just think about how difficult that conversation is to say you know CMO or whoever you report up through I know we were spending $300,000 a year on licensing for our analytics platform, but we really want to focus and get really good on these 12 data points. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. The the sales guy that sold us this said we can track 8,000 data points and we can do all this and triangulate that and have all this predictive things at our fingertips. Like, theoretically, he is correct. In reality that's not working here let's let's we can build towards that grand vision but why can't we just start with something simple that actually works for us so again kind of that optics is there that has to be balanced and that's exactly what i was going to say this is where the optics come in uh it's it's very easy to say you're doing things when you're tracking eight eight thousand different metrics dimensions and whatever it's very easy to say you're, you're, you're tracking all of that. Um, it's easy to say you're doing something, but, you know, like, are you actually doing anything with it? Because that actually makes me think of another client a long time ago where we went through this massive re-implementation. And, like, it took months. Um, part of the reason being is, is this was, you know, in the very early days of Tag Manager, so we weren't using one. It was all built into the site. And we finally launched it. Everything is looking great. And the next question is, is what are we going to do with it? We're going to build reports. Okay, great. What are you going to do with the reports after that? I don't, I don't know. It goes off to my boss, then my boss's boss, and my boss's boss. And eventually they'll come up with some kind of idea. And then at that point, it's like, well, in many cases, the opportunity is lost. 
Yeah. And, and I think, unfortunately, we have to point the finger at ourselves often for, for those scenarios happening. When I say ourselves, meaning the the digital analytics industry as a whole, in that we, we have been very driven and very comfortable becoming tool experts. And if you look a lot at the, a lot of the quote unquote leaders or luminaries in our field, they're, they're, they're tool experts. They've figured out how to hack the tools to do really cool things. But mm-hmm. what we failed in large part to do is to expand our experience to understanding how businesses work. And so we're comfortable always implementing and implementing more and more. And, you know, to your point over, over instrumenting and over designing. Oh, it's cool these, to deploy this it's plugin. It's cool, right? Like, okay, so we did this really cool thing and it tracks this and does that. It's like, so what? How are we going to use that? Do you understand how our business works? And that's why a lot of times we never get past the reporting stage is because we have people that don't have any understanding of business, either don't have the motivation or don't feel empowered to learn about the business, building reports that oftentimes are meaningless for the people that are consuming them because you're asking someone that has no clue how to run a business to build a report to help run a business. And so, you know, if we get that right, most of the times we're maybe lucky we got that right. And that's on us, you know, as, as analysts, as implementers, I don't care what your role is in the space. If you don't understand how the business that you're supporting works and the data they need to either see on a dashboard so they can keep the car going down the road safely, troubleshoot problems, identify problems we don't know about or optimize the experience. If you don't know how the business is doing that, how are you ever going to be successful collecting data, building dashboards, executing analysis to help support your business colleagues? Yeah, I, I like you mentioning about being tool experts. Um, I mean, I, I personally have never thought of that before being kind of like one of the, the flaws of the space. Um, and that goes into what we've talked about before with, you know, analytics not being at the adult table when it comes time to make decisions. It's the the business aspect is is getting lost. Yeah. And and that's the number one reason. And again, mm-hmm. if we want to be seen as quote real analysts, then we need to understand how our data and how our analysis is helping inform the business, how we're quote activating the data. And until mm-hmm. then, we're, we're going to be stuck at the fold-out card table at the end yeah. of, the, of the adult table. We're never going to get out of that until we get comfortable with building deeper understanding of how businesses work so that when we're activating the data, we're activating it in such a way that it's meaningful to the decision makers and not just, huh, that's interesting or nice to know. We don't want to be interesting or nice to know. We want to be, this is critical for us to be able to keep functioning as a business. That's Mm -hmm. where we need to get to. Agreed. So why do you think that's the case of, um, you know, the, the industry, you know, really focusing on being tool experts versus business experts? Is there a particular thing that maybe you've seen that's led you to that conclusion? So a couple things, one, it's, it's more well-defined. Um, you know, I can define a path of becoming an expert in using Adobe Analytics Workspace or being a Google Tag Manager expert. You know, there, there's kind of a 
sandbox that's been defined for me that I can play in. So it may be easier to go down that that route. When you start talking about, well, how do businesses work? It's just this wide open nebulous question that is very, very difficult to wrap your arms around. Uh, number two, I think digital analytics has attracted a certain personality type that probably lends to that as well. Very, um, I don't want to say antisocial, but not the most social people in the world. Very introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of let us go off and do our own thing. A lot of the people in the industry have that personality type. And so if it's if the path for you to understand the business is not given to you, you're probably because of your personality not going to go out of your way to try to make it it happen. Okay, that, totally fair. I, I would agree with that. I think I, the I, third. I think the third component is um, one of scarcity. In in, in in that I mean. there is a general scarcity of digital analytics experts. And when there's no scarcity, you have to have intrinsic motivation to become better at what you do. Because if massive company A is hiring me to be an analyst and I I half-ass it and they're finally like, you got to go, dude. All right, someone else will hire me for more money. You know, and absolutely they will. That will, as absolutely happening. So I think this concept of, scarcity of resourcing has made it easier for people to feel comfortable in where they're at and not continue to to up their game you know i can't remember if you and i were talking about it like the concept of these elite athletes that are at the top of their game have won 10 championships still aren't satisfied and hiring coaches and nutritionists to make them better and better and better we don't we don't often have that mentality it's like eh, mm-hmm. so what you know I'm going to win anyway because, you know, there's no one else playing the game. Yeah, I, I, I totally see that one uh, because I could think across my career and have always run into – I've run into that person multiple times where they can half-ass it. They can barely scrape on by and there's no fear. There, yeah. There's no there's, – there's no fear. There's, and, I mean, there's no fear and there's no drive. It's I'm good. I can always make more. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think it, that can only come with from within because right, at, at least right now, because the way that the landscape is, is set up, it's absolutely true. Like you can, let's say you're a manager of web analytics at, you know, massive company a, and you get fired because you're just not, you know, you're not progressing there is a very, very high likelihood that you're now senior director at Massive Company B. And if you get fired there because you don't do anything, there's a very good chance that you're now VP of analytics and data at Massive Company C. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, that's not, it, it's that motivation isn't going to come from externally because there's competition for you being the best. It's that, that competition has to come within. And I, 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 it just seems it, it is, it is lacking in our industry and we've joked about it from time to time, but just back when conferences were a big thing, people would say, are you going to this conference this year? I'm like, I went to it five years ago. So, you know, maybe in five years I'll go again, but for the last five years, the sessions have all been the same. <laughs> like we're not progressing. So, you know, call me in five years when we've maybe moved a little bit down, down the road. 
you know, we, and, and that's not, I don't want to paint that, that that is everybody. There are absolutely outliers uh, in our industry that are pushing for better and better and to be more sophisticated, more aligned with business outcomes, better at quote, activating the data, our topic today or for the month. Um, that is absolutely happening, but those are outliers. If you look at the fat part of the curve, it, you know, we're coasting. We, we're just kind of going through the motions and there's no external pressure to really force us to, to do otherwise. Mm -hmm. And to, to pivot the conversation a bit, I think we can then also make the leap in saying that also leads to a lot of the, the, the salesiness that goes on. You know, the, the talking in cliches, the the, the talking in hyperbole, the, the talking in the terms of just do this. What we have talked about so many times before, I can see what you're describing is leading to that. I can just come out with a bunch of buzzwords and I'm securing my job for another three months. And not only buzzwords, actual decisions to buy more. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. So, you know, if, if I can say, well, you know, I've bought this fancy new thing and we're going to implement it over the next year. It's like, okay, well, then I was successful. And we see this happening a lot. You know, we see companies talking about these incredibly complicated MarTech stacks with all of this data integrated with all of these sources. And you go to them and you say, um, can you talk to me about your conversion rate? And they're like, hmm, no, I don't know. We don't know. I'm like, yeah, like some of the most basic, although difficult questions to answer we don't know how to do what are we talking about <laughs> like what are we talking about you know trying to do all of this complexity again i i think it's important to have a vision to have some kind of destination that you're you're going towards as you're maturing your capabilities because we we all want to be better you know we all we all want to have um better and better competition we all want to be at our best but we have to start and, and do something well and then and then progress. Um, otherwise, we're just doing it for the optics of it. And a lot of times it's creating more frustration than than anything else. Um, I guess an analogy that I would draw from it um, is uh, I'm trying to play chess. Um, and I could I could play a hundred games a day against like a 2000 rated player. I'm going to lose all 2000s of those games very, very badly and, and, and not learn much at all. But I have the optics of, Ooh, I'm playing like a top player, you know, in reality, it would much be better for me to play the bulk of my games against 800 rated players and win some and lose some and learn new techniques and then maybe move up to 900 rated players. Um, but we have such a difficult time doing that because we see everyone else around us playing the grandmasters. You know, we, we see, you know, our colleagues in other departments or other companies building data lakes and lake shores and lake houses and integrated with this and AI and data science and all of this. And if we're not doing that, then we're failures. And I would say, I fundamentally disagree with that. If you were to pull back the covers, a lot of that is just optics and a lot of those people are incredibly frustrated in their jobs because they're not actually activating that data to make any real difference on the business. It would be much better for you to do something super simple that isn't sexy, but actually is meaningful for the company that you're working for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, 
last night I was laying in bed and, and like what you just said, like on a personal level, it was like, I was laying in bed and just kind of having like this period of self-doubt. And it's like, well, yeah, when you have that, or at least for me, when I have that, it's the, everybody else knows what they're doing. That's the voice that comes in your head. Like, everybody else knows what they're doing. They're doing it so much easier. Why can't you do it? And like, then I, as I started to think it, I'm like, no, everybody else is just figuring it out. Just like you. Mm-hmm. And, everybody, and, and that everybody applies else, to everything. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's like, I, I was, I was having kind of one of those moments last night. It's like, no, everybody else doesn't have it figured out. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to figure it out on the fly, just like you, you know, stop it. And so like that applies to, to organizations too, when it comes to this. And that's where I think like, you know, kind of taking it back to where we started this conversation, your three pillars of what is data activation? Um, like that third, that, that third pillar of optimization, being able to optimize in the moment based on data that is available people like get paralyzed because they think everybody else is it, it everybody else is able to do it so much easier oh uh, you know our competitors are doing it um they were able to get something up and they had a great press release about what they're doing um but then you know we can't get there because it's going to take us these 15 steps over the next 18 months to get it done well what you're seeing is is either that your competitor either half-assed it and just put out a nice press release or they've been working on it for the last 15 months and have reached that point. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's so true. And, and we all need to remind ourselves whether we're in analytics or we're, we're an athlete or we're an accountant that holds true for everything. You know, we, mm-hmm. we think that everyone else hasn't figured it out. Why are we struggling so immensely? We're all trying to figure it out. We're all at different levels of trying to get better at, at what we do and I, and I think it's unfortunate that we lack the um, comfort to be transparent about that. And it's something on a personal level that I've tried to do more and more of is just simply be transparent in what it's like to run a business. Because if you read all the business gurus on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, you know, you, you read that and you're like, oh, they just, they're, they're so good. They have it all figured out. It's because they're handpicking the things that they want you to hear and they're not showing you the full story behind what's actually happening, that it is, they don't have it figured out and they're making lots of mistakes and they're frustrated. And so, you know, I think we could give a lot back to our community by talking about how difficult it is to do analysis, to do data activation. This, this is really, really hard, but we've, we've sold the story because we've only shared the successes that it's, you know, we've got it figured out and it's super easy. And so it puts everyone in this mindset where it's like, well, there must be something wrong with me because I don't have it figured out. No, Mm -hmm. it's just that everyone is choosing to curate a list of things they want you to see. And they often hide the fact that progress is that jaggedy circles all over the place. It's not a linear straight line. Like it's, the things that we're trying to do are very, very difficult and it's okay to make mistakes. And going back to my skiing example, I don't know if I shared it on the podcast that I got in trouble from my ski instructor because I was never falling down on the bunny hill. He's like, dude, we're never going to get off this bunny hill until you start falling down. Like mistakes are how we learn, you know, none of us ski down this hill perfect. So we have to, to embrace that. Otherwise we're going to be where we're at, which is, 
progress is going to move really, really slowly and we're never going to make it off the beginner hill. And we want to make it off the beginner hill. We want to get off the children's table and we want to sit with the adults. We want to ski the black diamonds. We want, we want to progress. We want a bigger and bigger challenge. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we're, we're going to continue this topic and get into the weeds on a, a couple different aspects of data activation. Um, but as we wrap up this particular episode and, you know, the, I really like the three pillars you laid out in the beginning. What is one takeaway from, from all of this? I mean, I, I think I have one based on our conversation, uh, but I'd like to hear from you first. What is one takeaway um, that someone listening to this and wanting to make sure that their team, their business, their organization is focused on data activation? What could they, what could they start with? Go figure out what your business does. I mean, that, sound, that yeah. sounds simple, but you, would, you wouldn't be shocked, but maybe some of our listeners would be shocked. The number of times I've asked that question to implementers and analysts and they, they give me the shrug of the shoulders. I don't know. I think, well, we sell, we sell this product. I'm like, no, it's more than that. Like, what does your business do? I don't know. So that would be my number one takeaway is invest in learning about what your business does, because that's going to put you in a much better position to figure out what's the right data to collect, what the, how the dashboard should be designed, how the analysis should be framed, what the optimization program should look like, because now you're actually optimizing it for business outcomes for what your business, your unique business that you support does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good one. I like it. Uh, mine is simplicity. Um, simplicity doesn't mean lacking. Mm-hmm. Simpli- you know, the p- people have made it like, out to be like, if my dashboard is simple, it, it doesn't have any value. Um, there is tremendous value in simplicity, whether it's, you know, making sure that whatever you're doing is easy to maintain. Um, it's easy to build. It's easy to get value out of keeping it simple. Don't fall into the trap of, oh man, it'd be so cool to implement this, whether it's actually going to be used or not. I like that one a lot. Because I think that applies to life in in general. I I know a lot of people that have a lot of fancy cooking equipment. Give me a really good knife and a nice stove. I can cook a lot better meal than most people that have all the fancy gadgets and gadgets and, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about a home. Um, Yeah, like, you know, you could easily, you know. In some places, well, it depends upon where at this, you know, this day and age, but you could find a home that sits on two acres of land, but depending upon the la- the location, that could be really freaking expensive. Mm-hmm. Like right now in this area, you can't find it. And if one does pop up, like you're overbidding on it. Um, you could buy a house that has five bedrooms, three bathrooms, whatever for a very small family, but there's three bathrooms you got to clean. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> I want to clean like the least number of bathrooms possible as possible. And it, it comes down to the maintenance of it. And yeah, yeah, like going back to like, if you bought, it's nice to be able to spread out and have that two acres of land, but your entire Saturday for the entire summer is maintaining that outside. So if you want it, that's, there, there's other things that you can't have. Yeah. You know, it, like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're right. 
like it, it's it, and now it's great if like hey i love landscaping i love cutting the lawn and yeah i really don't want to go anywhere else on saturdays hey that might be perfect for you but if you're someone who's like yeah my saturdays i want to be filled with going here going there got the kids sports things oh like you got to be careful you're either paying someone to maintain it or you're you're doing yeah. that some other time. So not to, to not to go off too much on a tangent, but <laughs> but yeah, keeping things simple in life. I dig it. I like it. Cool. All right. So kind of focused more on the um the intangibles of, of data activation this week, but I think it's it sets the table very nicely. Because I think like some of the things that we talked about there, especially like those two takeaways, yep. if you don't have those, what I want to get into next is going to not necessarily be the easiest. Yeah. Okay. I like the topic. Cool. All right, then. So in that case, we'll go ahead and wrap up there and catch everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.